What's up, Fight Geeks? Welcome to a brand new episode of Two and a Half Fighters. Today's guest is none other but one of the greatest kickboxers who's ever lived, the Iceman, Johnny Terrio. We talk about kickboxing, his career, the evolution of kickboxing, where it is now, and we talk about how he almost jumped into the boxing world and MMA. So hopefully you guys enjoy my conversation with the Iceman, Johnny Terrio. Hello. The Iceman, Johnny, what's going on? How are you doing, man? How are you doing? I'm good. I asked you first. Ah, you get to the punch. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, this is... Uh, I'm, I'm not here with both my co-hosts, but it's um, this, this is a very special interview that I have now, you know, talking to you. Um, okay. I actually met you when I was 19 years old, debuting one of my first fights. Saw you in the crowd. And just I remember from, that. Yeah, just, just from then, man, that was, uh, that was the first time I was actually starstruck by any fighter. And for you, oh, to, come, for you to come to me after the fight, man, it, was, it really showed how much of a humbling champion that you were. Well, I, do you remember what I told you? I remember I, I told you that I wanted to have you on my show because you would add the, <clears throat> the good quality of uh, fighters that I'm always looking for. Yeah. And so uh, I don't know what happened from there because, I, I, you know what, I, I think that you may have uh, decided at that point that you may not be doing this uh, the competitive side of it, I don't quite remember. I just, I, you know, once in a while would ask, uh, Mo, okay, where's, uh, Emilio? Is he available? Blah, 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 blah. And it just, you know? Yeah. So, well, yeah. You know. A couple of injuries happened, and then the more I would train, the more I would get hurt. And it was just kind of, okay, where, where are we going to go from here? And then after when, when, when I got healthy again, it was kind of like, okay. We're, we're we're trying to come back, and then it just kind of now a year, two years later, just it, it just went away. Now a lot of came coming up with the show, and then yeah. I'm talking to all kinds of fighters, and uh, and now you know I, I and people people listening listening on like when you came and you were telling me this thing, and I was hearing it from a champion. It was the most surreal thing I've ever heard. And then after you know watching your fights, like right after, I remember that you. You spoke to me after my first fight, and the next day I watched about 20 of your fights in a row, and I was like, this guy came and complimented me, and it was yeah. it, it was insane, and, and like I became more of a fan of you, and just watching well, watching all your fight. fights. I, I do have a pretty good eye for, for talent, so uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't blowing hot air. <laughs> well, you know, in, 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 enough about me now, let's Let's get more to you and uh, a lot of things that that people people want to know and people have been asking me, especially when when I got you. Oh my god, how did you get him? It's like, well, you know, I know him and uh, he's obviously represented Canada well. And to to say the least, you've had seventy six fights. Yes, sir. Isn't when you when you look back on that, isn't that kind of surreal that you've had seventy six fights? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's, uh, I think it's an average of three or four years because I did fight 20, 20 years. Uh, it's, when you look at it, uh, you know, in the 50s, uh, 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, some of the professional boxers had 
you know, 150, 200 fights. And, and even in amateurs, there's a current, uh, uh, I think, lightweight uh, Russian fellow that he's got 345 or so fights. So, you know, professional fights over the course of 20 years, uh, it wasn't that much. But uh, obviously, when you say the word 76 <laughs> fights, uh, <laughs> when, when uh, some of these guys are now, you know, world champion at 10 or 12 fights, uh, it does have some sort of an impact, I'm sure. Is it even crazier if I give you a little fun fact about yourself that for 11 years you've gotten, you went on undefeated? Did you know that? You probably did, but just to let you know. <laughs> well, I don't, I'll tell you honestly, uh, Emilio, I, I don't, I did not at the time pay much attention to these things. I mean, they're, they're, uh, you know, information that maybe journalists will keep. Um, I, I remember one of the journalists uh, here in Ottawa, uh, this, you know, reminded me that I hadn't fought or I hadn't uh, lost in whatever amount of years. And, oh, that's nice. And, uh, I mean, uh, you know, my my focus was really, you know, laser sharp. I, I didn't pay much attention to these things. And uh, uh, I really, my, my biggest thrill, my biggest... Uh, the biggest uh, ray of sunshine in my day was to work out. Yeah. Now, for sure. And, and and it shows, too, you know, you, when everybody talks about kind of the old school kickboxing, you know, there's, there's, a, you know, obviously there, there's so, there's so many names that gives out, right? For me, I really think there's like the three, like, like matriarchs of kickboxing. I think it's you. I think it's Rick Rufus. And I think it's Ernesto Hoos. I think it's you three kind of, really plateau kickboxing because for for a while when kickboxing was getting in people didn't get involved into it but then when you three fought like especially your style like your style was so fundamentally sound with your rhythm and your sidekicks that people were like oh this is like you like for a while people didn't know how to beat you people didn't even know how to, how to touch you like they did yeah. like how did you develop your style because kickboxing obviously goes with karate taekwondo but how did you develop the Iceman type of style? Well, I'll tell you, my my trainer was uh, pretty anal about throwing this stuff properly, doing the techniques properly, whether it was boxing or kickboxing or, or uh, kicks or, or, you know, rope skipping. I mean, there's a technique to it and do it right. Otherwise, uh, you know, get off the pot sort of thing. So uh, I just uh, very easily adopted that mentality. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to... <clears throat> dissect it and study it and uh, you know every which way I can uh, see how I can improve on it whether it's the techno part of it whether it's the speed part of it whether it's the strategic part of it uh, you know I studied I studied I studied a lot of the movements that I did I studied the, the psychology of a, of a fighter I, I, you know I just really got into this uh, seriously and uh, evidently uh, it proved uh, you know the right thing for me to do, anyways. And uh, um, I mean, I and I, in all humility here, I am uh, an average average athlete, uh, but I did extraordinary things with with the uh, talent that I had. And I think one of the more uh, important things to remember with this is that I did study this stuff. I did study it 
up and down in all sorts of ways and how to improve it. And, uh, and uh, the ordinary athlete uh, did extraordinary things. <clears throat> yeah, well, you know, that's, that's, that's coming a lot, especially you, like, um, like, especially that I know you, but you're, you're a very humble guy, especially with the amount of fights you had. Uh, the fact that you fought 76 times, winning 69 of those times and knocking out 61 people, you know, like I said, your, your style was, it, it looked very ordinary, but then, like you said, you put it out there and yeah. th the way that you threw your techniques, they were just flawless. They were effective. And people just couldn't they they couldn't solve to solve the puzzle, and I think that's what what a lot of people nowadays are, are trying are trying to get back. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there. This is a, a statement that we often heard when we were setting up fights, is uh, from the opposing camp. Uh, certainly, the management and the trainers and stuff, but they would say, "Well, Terry was easy enough to read. I mean, it's simple enough. Uh, uh, you know, punches and kicks are easy. There's nothing flashy about him." And, and it's, indeed, it, they were they were right. Uh, one of the things that you couldn't, you, you don't really are able to read is the, uh, um, if I may, uh, the the intelligence of a fighter, uh, all relatively speaking. Um, you know the the, the the strategies, the the angles, the setting up, the the patience. My trainer used to say, "You have 12 rounds, don't rush, don't rush." And obviously, uh, he was right. I would get the, some of the fighters. I would get them in the later rounds. Uh, um, but you know what? It's it's uh, it was a labor of love for me. I mean, I I really, really, really loved uh, the sport that I did. I, I I absolutely got a big thrill out of. Uh, being a professional athlete, and uh, uh, evidently it uh, translated into some success for me. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot, a lot of success indeed. And now, you know, we're we're kind of in the age of MMA. You know, we're in the age of mixed martial arts, uh, mm -hmm. UFC, Bellator, and mm -hmm. uh, obviously for me, like I like you and I both both come from striking backgrounds. I I, I watch uh, Glory. I watch a lot of Bellator kickboxing, but is it is it weird for you now that um, obviously there's a lot of debate on it, but most most people could agree that everyone's concentrating a lot on the whole MMA and people are kind of forgetting on the one style of like kickboxing shows. Do you, do you agree with that? What, what do you? Well, see? of course, of course, I agree. I mean, uh, what MMA did for uh, kickboxing or for the combat sport is to. Um, make kickboxing or taekwondo or karate specialty sports uh mine is a striking sport and uh, there's all sorts of dynamics around that the angles the speed the, the left the right the body the head the this the that the other uh whereas uh, in mma uh, generally speaking if people are going to you know fire one or two punches at a time okay. although nowadays i mean the these guys, the strikers are, are good. The ones that are champions presently, they're all good strikers. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, they probably studied the, uh, you know, boxing or striking uh, the way that uh, has to be applied vis-a-vis uh, -vis the, the, uh, the sport of MMA itself. Um, but, you know, years ago, they would just sort of swing. And obviously, if somebody gets hurt with those, or somebody gets hit with these small gloves, they're going to be hurt. And, uh, Nowadays, you get a little bit more precision, um, but it does remain a sport that is obviously it's mixed. There's a, 
there's all sorts of different uh, c- components that I didn't have to deal with, uh, you know, gapping the distance uh, and avoiding a, a shoot uh, in the legs or a throw or, or, or knee or elbow or stuff like that. I didn't need to, to uh, worry about that. And uh, these guys, because there's so many different facets to these to this sport, uh, there's a lot to cover. And uh, if you're not strong everywhere, uh, or if you haven't studied all the facets of, the, of that art, uh, obviously, if the, if the opponent finds uh, a, a chink in your armor, uh, you're done. Well, like, 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 looking at you, obviously, you're you're one of the most declar- declarated kickboxer on the planet, and forever, your name is 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 up there. At, at the time, like, obviously, you were dominating the game for for the, actually your whole career until uh, until your last fight back in 1995. It, was there a moment or any opportunity that somebody offered you, like an MMA fight? Was there was there anything that that anyone offered you to get out of kickboxing or? Well, no. Um, what did happen though was I was offered uh, boxing matches, and uh, uh, one notably, and people in Montreal will certainly remember uh, the Hilton boys. Uh, mm-hmm. Matthew was Matthew was then champion. But Matthew was also uh, about 10 pounds lighter than I was. And I was uh, like 3% body fat. So I wasn't able to lose any sort of weight. And uh, they weren't ready to go up. So that's obviously didn't go too, too far. Um, some of the other fights that I was uh, offered, the boxing commission may have been, if I dare say, against me in the sense that, well, you'll have to start with four-round fights or eight-round fights. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it was just it was just a bit of a joke at one point, and uh, so uh, no MMA was never offered to me, uh, only because it really didn't have any sort of a, uh, attraction, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that it was it, it, it was active before I retired. It was, but it didn't have the same appeal or didn't have the same uh, attention that subsequent years. It, you know, and with the with the with the advent of George uh, Saint Pierre and some of the Canadian fighters and some of the you know very good strikers and the, the very good uh, fighters, uh, and evidently the way that they marketed this sport it just took over. And uh, no, my time was done, and I'm happy that I did it uh, the way that I did. Um, I you know people say, had you been uh, in this era. Uh, would you have done MMA? I said, listen, I don't really know that I would have or would not have. I'm a, I was a competitor. I needed to compete. Uh, I, I'm assuming that I probably would have gotten in there. Um, however successful I could have been, I have no idea. It's a different game altogether. So uh, I probably would have fought um, uh, just because I'm a competitor. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, well, well, and, and obviously knowing knowing you and uh, and your status, like if if right now, yeah, you know, still fighting, you in MMA, doing doing that crossover would have been would have been huge, and especially at the time, you know, yeah. The, yeah. the the fighting Hiltons, if that fight would have happened, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the king of the king of Montreal, that that would have been it's an award on its own, and and it's crazy how, how the fact that you know you had the fighting Hiltons, and now you have like their reputation and how they went about things, and then. You, you know, your sterling reputation, your world champion, and how you're respected in your community. You know, how 
uh, like it, it means a lot for us, especially as Canadians, that we we don't see a, a lot of we see a lot of great fighters, a lot of champions, but to see somebody like you really raise the bar for us, especially guys like George St. Pierre, you know, Roy McDonald. Uh, how, the, do you ever think about that? That oh wow, you know, it's because of the things that I've done that kind of opened the gates for a lot of these Canadian fighters. Well, yes, I do. I mean, uh, maybe not to the point to that point, but. <clears throat> Fact is, I'm um, I'm a martial artist. Mm-hmm. I did jujitsu for a number of years, and within that structure, <clears throat> you know, there are uh, uh, requirements. You know, the respect, the integrity, the this, the that, and the other. Uh, and we here at our school uh, still talk about those things. And and not only do we talk about it, but we certainly conduct ourselves in a in a way that the, either the children or some of the people around us will. Uh, certainly recognize, uh, you know, George St. Pierre is a martial artist, a Kyokushin karate fighter, uh, some of the other, some of the other guys that you mentioned as well. Uh, you will certainly find a very respectful, uh, attitude and demeanor from guys who have had a martial art background. I don't mean to say that, you know, you know, boxing or, or, or anything else does not have that, but I can certainly speak for, the martial artist, uh, the true martial artist, uh, the bowing and the respect and the this and the that. And uh, obviously, you know, promoters will sometimes get uh, the fighters to come out of their personality and start, you know, uh, saying things that they ne- normally would not say and acting differently than they, they normally do. Uh, that's the norm. That's the promoter's job is to sell tickets. And if it, if uh, there's a, a shock element to the press conference, uh, people are going to buy tickets. Do Do you think that was the main difference of how how boxing kind of exploded and how UFC exploded and kept kickboxing kind of where it was? Like you said, you know, boxing promoters, UFC, uh, MMA promoters, they kind of had to build their guys of talking trash uh, from time to time being disrespectful. But kickboxing, like you said, you know, where we come from the bowing uh, background or a very respectful background. Do you think that was one of the reasons why kickboxing never hit that next stratosphere? Well, it's possible. Uh, you know, people. You know, it's it's the, the wrestler syndrome. I mean, the good guy, the good guy against the bad guy. It's, it works in any sport, whether it's hockey, whether it's baseball, whether it's MMA, whether it's uh, you know, you know, uh, sprinting. There's always one against the other, and. Uh, there's always uh, people deciding deciding that uh, this guy is a good guy and this guy's a bad guy, and uh, that's what sells tickets. And obviously, uh, some of the members of the kickboxing um, community lend themselves easily to that, but that's just one part of it. You need to have a consistent uh, marketing strategy to put these guys. You know, put these guys in the, on TV, put these guys in, in the public eye, so that the people, whether they're part of the martial art industry or, or fighting community or not, they will see. Uh, we'll take the, as an example uh, uh, Conor McGregor. I mean, you know, outside of the, the martial art community or the MMA community, he still gets attention by doing stupidities. Yeah. Uh, but you know, somebody said one time, "There's no such thing as bad publicity." He may go, according to that, he he may he may have bought into that and keep his name alive. I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for anybody else. But uh, when you when you uh, 
surpass the boundaries of your own sports, uh, you're doing something. <laughs> you're doing something yeah. with people's attention. Uh, that's amazing. That's great marketing. Yeah, and uh, I think the marketing is uh, the best thing, especially for 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 the sport. And um, I, I need to ask you. I, I heard about it in in, in social media. Uh, I, it kind of like crossed my mind because I didn't really believe it or or want to believe it because I got excited or didn't think it was going to happen. You were were you scheduled to fight this past year? Is that true? I did. I passed last Friday. <laughs> so you're telling me you're telling me it happened. You're telling me that you fought last yes, week. I yes, I did. I actually I, we did. I, we were we were uh, uh, flogging this for the longest time since about June, I guess. Uh, I was supposed to fight in Quebec City uh, as a uh, in a demonstration fight for a, a, a foundation. Uh, a uh, charitable foundation and I got a slight injury and I decided that my training was going to suffer because I needed to take some time to you know, recuperate from that injury and in the same thought I contacted my my, uh, my manager Mr. Terrier and uh, told him I want to do this in Ottawa instead and so we, I gave I threw the, the, the idea out at him I want to do something for a foundation um, within the context of a an event that we've been promoting for the last 28 years. We call Capital Conquest, and that happened last week and um, or two weeks ago. And uh, um, he was okay with it, and we decided, all right, we're going to we're going to uh, go ahead and start promoting it. Now, we initially had the and you'll probably remember this name, uh, Rodney Batista. I fought twice, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. once in Montreal, once in Ottawa. They were great fights. The fight of the year, both him and I uh, had great fights together. And um, something happened with his management, and I, I uh, decided that wasn't the right fighter for me at that particular time. And we did something with a a, a local young man who was one of my fighters, uh, and also having become a world amateur. Champion uh, that drew obviously some attention. So he, you know, 25 years younger than I am. Uh, but I mean, I started with his father. We were 17 year old together, so I know the kid quite well. He's very respectful. You probably know the name Benoit Dussard. He uh, yeah. he fought uh, in, in Montreal a couple of times and um, very respectful, very clean, very technical fighter. And uh, we had a we had a ball. I mean, and evidently the. Uh, foundation of choice was uh, Make a Wish Foundation of Eastern Ontario. Mm-hmm. We committed ourselves to get to raise a ten thousand dollars for them, wow. and uh, we surpassed that. We almost, uh, we actually we did twenty five thousand. So, and so uh, they were well served. Uh, the people that attended, which was great, uh, some of the people that I hadn't seen in twenty years, twenty five years. Uh, we sort of recreated the uh, the era of the '80s when I was there with the music and the, you know, uh, chanting my name and stuff like that. And it was really a very very nice evening, and people were generous with their applause, were generous with their smiles and their their statements, and obviously in their pocketbook as well. They were uh, more than happy to give to the charity of our choice, and so uh, yeah, I I, uh, I did that. I. Uh, did well. I wasn't hurt. Uh, I, did, you know, both Benoit and I looked reasonably. Actually, 
were reasonably good, but he looked way better than I did. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but I'll tell you honestly, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's over. You're hanging the gloves for good this time. It's over. Yeah, no, that's it, man. I, mean, <laughs> I had a great time. And, you know, if we do something, it'll be, uh, It'll be very low key, but uh, no, that was uh, that was it, and uh, we had a great time doing it. And uh, a lot of people, my the people in my school here, contributed immensely, and they, they probably don't realize how much of a contribution they did. Uh, even the young ladies that spar, and they're good, all good, very good technical uh, uh, athletes here. So what I required from them was throw some punches and kicks. Uh, the way that we were taught, and uh, so it, it gave me a chance to sort of get reacquainted with my defensive skills and stuff like that, without fear of getting hurt because they're not heavy girls, they're not the uh, you know powerful strikers. So even if they did hit me, they did a lot at the beginning. Uh, they weren't hitting, they weren't hurting me, but they contributed immensely. And then, and then I stepped up to the more intermediate fighters, and then I stepped up to the to the more advanced fighters, and I was keeping a you know, I was uh, keeping myself uh, uh, in the game uh, adequately. So uh, it was fun. Uh, the purpose was a very honorable one, and we achieved what, what our goal, and, uh, and uh, you know, life goes on from there, really. Well, you know, it's, it's crazy that you still, you know, you're still in shape to even remotely do something t- close to that, but you went rounds with almost many people you, you fought, and... It's it's unbelievable, and it just increases that that legendary status that we thought it was impossible to to even bring it to another level. But you just brought it by by competing again, and now that it's officially that you're hanging up the gloves, um, it looks like coaching and promoting is are are you be more mostly focused focused in that aspect, or just mostly like you want to just be a coach and try to help these young fighters try to well, achieve what you do? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a school owner, and we have you know kids from four years old to uh, you know women and men in the in the six, late sixties, early seventies, and so you know their their uh, needs are a priority for me. Yeah. Uh, when people invest uh, some time and money into a uh, into a martial arts school, our responsibility is to meet their needs. One of the things that's important for me to tell you and, and uh, the audience as well is that uh, you're right. The competitive side of me is uh, for the better part uh, retired. Okay. But uh, an athlete, um, an athlete's career is never over. And by that, I mean that uh, we did have some attention from the media. We did have attention from the lo- from the from the general population. And so, when we speak, uh, people, for whatever reason, will tend uh, lend an ear uh, because, well, he was champion of the world. Maybe he has something interesting to say. And so, my career as as a fighter is not over, but the career as as a as, a, as the Iceman and, and able to uh, draw people's attention to a cause like we did uh, two weeks ago, that's part of the continuum of, of a career. And so people who are involved in professional uh, athletics or politicians or teachers or whatever, you never stop. You really never stop. It's a, That's part of your history. It's part of your makeup. And uh, and for whatever reason, we're, we're, giving a, we're given a plateau to work uh, uh, 
for the betterment of the community after once we retired because as a professional athlete, uh, we, we, the lack of a better word, we are selfish. We take care of ourselves. We take care of, uh, making sure that we have enough, enough money for the rest of our lives, uh, and so on and so forth. Take care, take care of your family, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but once we retire from competition, uh, if you don't understand that the, the, uh, the media attention of the plateau that you've been given, is still there for you to do something positive for the community. Well, you're missing the boat. Simple as that. You're just missing the boat. And uh, I just certainly urge and, and encourage anybody who has a professional career and in, the, in the midst or at the end of it, don't think that you're you're finished when you um, hang up the gloves or put their hockey stick away or baseball bat away, what have you. Uh, you do something positive for the community, and you're going to live forever and ever. Well, that, that, that's exactly like what, what you've done, and uh, especially even with your fighters. I know a couple of your fighters, uh, John DeBernier, Pat Arsenault, a couple of these guys, and these guys are stellar competitors, amazing fighters, and the fact that they have that respect aspect like you, it just shows that what you're preaching, you know, you're, 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 you're walking the talk. You're pretty much all, all your fighters are living by you, and you definitely see that, and people who want to go to your gym – you know, it, that's the right move. And especially for me, I've been I've been wanting to go to your gym for the longest time and I haven't gotten the chance to hit, come out to, to Ottawa. But definitely when I come out, I, I got to train with guys like uh, like you, like Mernier. And uh, he told me he wanted to sp- uh, we, could, we could spar. I don't know if I'll be sparring with him. You know, I know I know he's got a heavy hand. You know, I've seen that close. But, you know, we I, could de- I definitely would love to come to your gym. Uh, you are one of the greatest kickboxers that ever lived. You're always more welcome to... Yeah, people are welcome here all the time. Uh, we have people coming from all over the world, in fact, and uh, uh, they do get to spend a little bit of time with with me or or, or my uh, my manager, Mister Terry. And, and uh, for them, you know, hopefully that we we provide a little sunshine, a little a little uh, insight on what um, a professional athlete is like. So now for, for for people listening, what's what's next for you? Is there is there a big promotion lined up for you? Do you have a fighter that that's going pro? Is there, or, or do you plan on putting your fighters in maybe glory? Maybe going diving into the MMA community and MMA coach? What's what's next out for the Iceman? Well, I, like I said, I do have a school. I uh, we do we do promote kickboxing and the traditional style of kickboxing. Although you know that's sort of uh, I guess uh, coming to a to an end, or maybe not as interesting for most fighter now that the people can do low kick fights and stuff like that. And I like I like glory. I mean, this is one of the sports, that, the fighting sports that I really enjoy because it does uh, it does resemble kickboxing the way that I practice with low kicks. Um, and when when fighters like Benoit Ladusar, when we first started working out with him or working with him, I told him, Ben, you're going to go as far as you want. And I will always be by your side. I'm not going to push you. I won't be behind you. I won't be in front of you, dragging you or pushing you along. But I will be by your side to assist you. If you have any questions, if you have any, you know, desires, if you have any dreams of becoming whatever you want to become, uh, I'll support you. And that's exactly what happened. And so there are, you know, there's, there, there are fighters, uh, 
waiting in the wings, I suppose. And uh, whether I have one here uh, in this particular generation or not, I have no idea. There's some very talented kids here. Uh, but, you know, punches and kicks uh, doesn't make a fighter. And so uh, um, I will promote uh, for people for their own sort of bucket list thing. Uh, some of them will fight 10, 15, 20 fights and then retire. Uh, you know, Jonathan Meunier was telling me that this may be his last fight because, uh, you know, he's got a young family. His wife just went back to, uh, uh, in the workforce. Uh, as brutal a fighter as he is, he's such a gentle uh, person as a father, just a really very impressive. It's like a 180 degrees uh, uh, assassin-like as a fighter. And uh, the biggest teddy bear in the world because they, they, sometimes the kids come here and uh, he, uh, it's just very impressive to tell you the truth. And so this could be his last fight. Uh, Benoit Latoussard also is up there in, the, in his years. Uh, he's also uh, a father of a young child. Uh, there's a couple of other ones that are coming up and who knows what uh, tomorrow is, what it has for them. I don't know. They don't know. And like I said, Many times before, speaking about myself, destiny just unfolded itself in front of me, and I just went with it. Yeah, well, um, you know, but before we we go off, um, I've I've interviewed you know so many so many people in the fight game, UFC champions, boxing champions, but at the end of the day, I think this this kind of hits home because. To be honest, without you, without that moment, and I remember like it was yesterday, and uh, I remember my father even said like, "Wow, that was." The fact of my first debut fight, you coming to me and and telling me all the, the the nice things you were telling me and influencing me and putting me out there, you're the reason why everything kind of blemished for me. You're the reason how at the end of the day, I, I, I was on the radio, I had this show, and I'm talking to, to fighters and trying to expand the sport, especially in our city here in Montreal. Like, I stand like you're one of the people and I I really respect you. You are one of the pioneers in the sport, and I thank you from Canada, Montreal, and I thank you personally from me and, and from our show. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you so much. And uh, I thank the population of, uh, of Montreal. So I've fought there many times, the population of Quebec and, and Canada. Uh, the support that I received uh, is part of a successful uh, venture. When uh, people give you, uh, you want to give in return. And... Uh, that's what I did. I took the energy that they gave me and uh, I returned it to them in, in, you know, entertaining fights and so on. So I'm very, very grateful for the people that have supported me all these years. And uh, now I have a new generation of people that look at me and they just, you don't look like a champion. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know. Because, <laughs> well, you know, in the era of, of uh, you know, the internet and YouTube and, and stuff like that, and they go and look at what I've done, and they come back the following day, eyes the size of, you know, two knees, and say, wow! <laughs> <laughs> and that, to me, is just precious. And and uh, But I am very, very, very grateful. I was blessed. And uh, and I and like I said, I did an interview beginning of the year this year, and I said to the Johnny, Johnny Davis, who has a podcast in the United States, uh, Johnny, my best years are ahead of me. The best years are, are yet to come, and I truly believe that uh, as a as a 
as a uh, as a human being, uh, I have a lot more to offer. I have a lot of uh, great moments ahead of me, and I, I'm just excited every day. Every day, there's something that uh, you know just sort of uh, lights me up and keeps me going. I, I got God, thank you again. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show. I'm definitely going to be texting you soon when I come out there. I definitely got to be training with you and, and your team. Uh, I got to see what's up. I got to have at least a taste of what 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 your the information you're giving these kids. They're getting that that step advantage over me. I'm not liking it. I need to know what the Iceman is teaching them. So I'll definitely be <laughs> heading out there, champ. Well, anytime, my friend. Anytime. So we will talk soon. And thanks again for coming on Two and a Half Fighters. All right. Take care, my friend. Bye.